Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Did everybody stay home for the Super Bowl or something this morning? <laughs> All right, real quick, I want to make, real quick before I get into the announcements here, and Stacy's got something for uh, uh, missions. Um, this is uh, for us as a church, and I'm going to leave it on the back foyer. It's, uh, I'm going to read it real quick. I'll make sure it's quick here. But it says, we are very excited to announce that we will be leading a missions trip to Hungary this summer with SAGU AIC students. But we're in need, we are needing your help in getting there. Hungary is a very historic country with a rich culture. During this trip, we will have many opportunities to guide our students to grow in their faith, culture, knowledge, and leadership skills. Your partnership in our trip will help us develop the calling of God in our lives and our students' lives to reach people with the gospel. During this trip, we will be working with the Assemblies of God missionaries Aaron and Sharon Morgan. We will also be partnering with the church in the country to do ministry to the unreached people groups of Hungary. Will you consider being part of this unforgettable, uh, unforgettable opportunity? Uh, they have to raise $20,000 in total funds, which is a lot, they say. But they, have a, um, they also say you, you, if you can't support them in finances, you can support them in prayer. And so there is a link on this page if you decide you want to give to this. Or, or there, you can also mail. There's an address. And so um, this was sent to our church, and I thought it would be a good opportunity if you want to give into uh, kid, uh, young people going from SAGU, which is Southwestern Assemblies of God University, on a mission trip to Hungary. Um, and so I will leave that on the back foyer table today. It's Ethan. Okay. Um, Ethan what? Ethan Childs, there you go, thank you. I'm sorry, I should have remembered reading that on the page. Uh, just a couple other reminders in here. Um, I, this is not in your bulletins, but uh, uh, February 19th and 20th, uh, Fraser Fire will be working on our uh, uh, sprinkler system. So they will be out here that Monday and Tuesday. I will have a couple people here because we will be up in Tulsa getting some stuff, uh, puppets uh, for the children's program. Uh, puppets that my wife got from her Aunt Becky. So um, uh, just a reminder, February 17th, we're going to have our Protect My Ministry training video right after men's breakfast that morning. The men's breakfast is at 8.30 that morning on February 17th, and then at 10 a.m. we will meet here in the sanctuary. So if you've done a background check, uh, this video, what it is, is it's training and it certifies us for your background check. So if you're here uh, and you would like to, not like, if you had that uh uh, background check. Please be here for that. Um, 25th, we're going to have a faith promise that Sunday, and uh, my wife will explain a little bit about that. Uh, March 3rd is our missionary, uh, Terrence Harris, who will be here for the AM service. And then that evening at 4.30, we will have our missions banquet in the back fellowship hall. Uh, March 23rd is our Easter egg palooza, and basically that's the Easter egg hunt. And it's, from, it's at 1 uh, p.m. We need volunteers who would like to help with that. And then March 24th, our superintendent will be here um, uh, for our AM service. And then, and then finally, on February 14th, there will be no youth service. Um, that's Valentine's Day. So if you're part of the youth, there will, no be, there will not be youth service that night. So if you're providing food uh, uh, for the youth, you don't have to bring any that night. So I'm going to turn it over to my wife who's going to share. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you for reminding me. So if, uh, yes, Prime Timers is... Uh, February 24th. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. Good morning, everyone. If you'll notice out in the foyer, we added another table. 
last week we were doing Costa Rica. This week is the U.S. And for our missions conference around the community, around the world, Matthew 28, 19, God calls us to missions. We're to spread the gospel. And a lot of times when people hear missions, they think of going to another country, going to reach unpeople, unreached people groups, going to places where it's hard. And we sometimes forget that missions is in our own backyard, um, our neighbors, our jobs, our schools, where we go for entertainment. There's people we need to reach for Christ on American soil as well. So this week is U.S. missions, and I thank everybody who helped with the community table. There's flyers and forms and um, information on things in our community to help people. There's a food and resource center in Ardmore that gave us some uh, flyers. If you know anyone that's in need, that need groceries or food, they have a community resource place out there that you can go and you can get um, groceries. There's a lot of things that um, I have found in our community that we have, and some of that stuff's out on the table out there, so thank you for everyone who helped with that. Um, our missions banquet, can you come here? So, Pastor is holding up. I have uh, recipes for the United States, Costa Rica, the United Kingdom, and the Philippines. And I have a few more recipes left. They're simple things. Some of them are a little different, um, like soup. There's nachos. There's things you can make in your crock pot. Some of them are pretty interesting, and some of them just, they're a little different, like Yorkshire pudding. Um, it's not pudding. It's a dinner roll kind of thing and I remember looking at it thinking oh my goodness it, this looks like bread but they call it Yorkshire pudding so that's something somebody could try but if you would like to be interested in helping and making something get with me and I will give you a copy of the recipe and um, that would be very helpful and those will be out in the foyer too um, so right before we do this slideshow um, we are talking about the United States, and as I said, it's important to remember people on our own soil. We need to pray for people in the prisons. We need to pray for um, other um, people who are starting to follow Scientology, uh, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, even Muslims in our own country. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for our youth. There is a big need, the homeless. There's so much we can do. Um, with that being said, please watch our, our video that we um, are going to be showing. Bro. 
Before we take our tithes and offerings, I want to mention a couple of things here. Um, the statistics of the United States, uh, they're finding out that our, we're no longer a Christian nation like we used to be. And so we need to reach the lost. And I know that comes as a shock, but these are statistics that they're taking. Um, and so we, we need to reach the lost here in the United States. And I, like we've had Rebecca and Scott Howe that was here. You know, she does backyard orphans that we are now supporting as missionaries. And they're reaching the orphans. Um, and God cares about the orphans and the widows, and he cares about the lost, even here in the United States. So uh, sometimes we get so focused on the world, but we forget about our own backyard, and we need to reach people for Jesus. And so um, just remember that, that, that we're here to reach not only the world, but our own neighborhood and those around us. So I'm excited about that. Okay, I'd like to have our missionaries, or missionaries, I'm going to have our missionaries come, our ushers come at this time to take up our morning tithes and offerings. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary. Father God, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you that, Lord, you care about the lost, you care about the hurting, you care about those that are broken. And Father, as we give in to the kingdom, we give of our finances to expand the kingdom. Uh, Lord, we do it out of a grateful heart, not because we have to, but because we want to. And you want us to give of a cheerful heart, not begrudgingly, as it says in the scriptures. So Father, we give of our tithes and offerings to, to, uh, to invest in the kingdom of God. I pray that you would multiply it, use it, and reach the lost in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You'll want to stand on your feet while we go to the Lord and worship. Father, thank you for the opportunity, God, to come into your house once again, Father. Father, we just ask that you would have your way in this service. Move through this sanctuary, God. Give us a new revelation of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And when I'm in the roughest waters, I won't go under, I won't drown. And when I'm in over my head, I know 
burdens to at your feet this morning, God. Father, we ask that you work miracles, God, where there seems to be no way this morning, Father. We ask that you lift burdens, Father, off of your people. God, draw us closer to you. Draw us closer to your presence, Lord. Father, just have your way, God. We're here for you, God. Yes, Lord. Just play that one more time real softly. Get me 
says whatever door he shuts cannot be opened and whatever door he opens cannot be shut a righteous man steps over to the Lord many are the plans of a man's heart but the Lord determines his steps Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says trust the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight This morning, if with nobody looking around, just between you and me and God, nobody looking around, are you here this morning? Would you just raise your hand if you're you're needing direction in your life? You've been praying. Would you just slip up your hand real quick? And I want to pray. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Several of you have raised your hands. Uh, Jesus, you said whatever door you open cannot be shut, and whatever door you shut cannot be opened. Lord, you said your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, Father, for those that are asking for direction this morning. God, you are the one that leads and guides their steps. You're the, you, the righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord. 
Your plans are to prosper them, not to harm them. Plans to give them a future and a hope. Father, I pray that right now, at this moment, those that raise their hand would just lay their plans before you. Lord, you said, do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewer of our minds so that we may know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. God, as they lay this before you, as they lay this, th these plans and these directions before you, God, I believe that you're going to begin to speak to them and confirm to them where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to do. Your sheep know your voice. They will not follow a stranger's voice. They will follow you, Lord. So, Lord, open up their ears to hear what your spirit is saying to them this morning. Thank you, Lord, that they do know your voice. And the sons of God are led by the spirit of God, as it says in Romans chapter 8. Remind them of that this morning. Remind them that they do know your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back at this time. You may be seated. Good morning. I don't know if men have hot flashes and then they get cold, but that's what's happened to me this morning. <laughs> Sorry, probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, um, just just for those real quick on that note, the Bible says that His sheep know His voice in John in John chapter ten, and so when you're asking God for direction, He will give it to you, and He will confirm those things to you. He's not going to leave you in the dark. Uh, sometimes it doesn't come right away. It may come in a few days. It may come in a few weeks. But he will begin to confirm those things to you. And he will direct your steps. Well, that being said, if you have your Bibles, please open up with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 38. I'm going to be doing a series, a two-part series called A Hook in the Mouth. And we're going to be looking at the Ezekiel 38-39 war that's mentioned in Scripture. It's a pro prophecy for the future. Um, you know, we've been speaking a little bit on the end times and some of the things that we're seeing. And, and uh, what we're going to read today is what's happening in our lifetime. Uh, now, the war hasn't happened, but the alliances are. And so we're going to be, uh, this is exciting because it tells us where we are on God's time clock. Now, we don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back, but we sure can know the season. And guys, I believe we're getting close if we see some of these things happening in our lifetime, then Jesus is at the door. And so we need to be prepared. Oh, I think that would be great on Super Bowl Sunday that that happens, right? Yeah. Half of the stadium would be empty, right? I hope. All right, so we're in Ezekiel 38. We're going to read verses 1 through 23. I've titled the message, The Army of the North. Ezekiel 38. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, a great horde with large and small shields of all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all, of, all with shields and helmets, also Gomer with all of its troops, and Beth to Gorma with the far north with all of its troops, the many nations with you. Get ready to be prepared for you and all the hordes gathered about you and, and take command of them. After many days you will be called to arms. 
In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They've been brought out from the nations, and now all of them live in safety. You and all your troops and the many nations with you will go up, advancing like a storm. You will, you will be like a cloud covering the land. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful, unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all of her villages will say to you, Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day when my people Israel are living in safety, you will not take notice of it. You will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you. All of them are riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, O Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Are you not the one I spoke of of former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel? At that time they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. This is what will happen in that day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I will declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the beasts of the field and every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog and all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment upon him with plagues and bloodshed. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the, on the many nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, and I will make myself known at the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray, Father, as I share this prophecy that has not happened yet, that, Lord, that you will give us insights and understandings that we've never known before. That you will put in us an urgency of being ready because your time to come for your church is soon. Lord, that this prophecy speaks of the end times. It speaks of a time when Israel will be back in the nation. It speaks of a time when, Lord, that uh, uh, nations will rise up and come against her. Father, I, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to each of us tonight, or this morning, I mean, not, not just tonight, but to this morning of the urgency of you coming back for your church. Again, I get out of the way so that you can speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I guess I said tonight, this, this morning, I'm ready for tonight. So, uh, real quick, just a little overview. In chapter 37 is what we call the, uh, the dry bones come alive. Uh, God speaks to Ezekiel and says, uh, he sees all these bones out in the desert. And he says, speak to these bones that they would come alive. And, and they come alive and he speaks flesh on them and he speaks breath on them. That speaks of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. So chapter 37 is about the rebirth of, of Israel. 
Now, the spiritual birth of it hasn't happened yet. That's in chapter 37. Most of Israel today is agnostic or atheist. There's only a small percentage that are actually believers in God. Now, they practice Judaism, but they're not believers. And you'll find that in chapter 37 where, where these, these bones come alive and they have flesh. But it's not until later that they get breath in them. And so we know that that has happened already. Again, I shared a couple weeks ago in, in, about Israel being God's time clock. When God gathered them from the nations and brought them back to, to Jerusalem and to Israel. In 1948, that was the rebirth of Israel. That was Ezekiel 37. But Ezekiel 38 has not happened yet. But we're seeing these things start to come together. And so the reason for this message is the urgency that we need to have as a church that Jesus is coming back for his bride. If we see these things happening in our lifetime, how close is Jesus coming to blowing that trumpet and getting his church? So the first thing we got to look at is who is the prince of Magog in this passage? So who is Gog of Magog? He mentions the prince. Let's look in verse 1 here. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him. He calls this person Gog out of the land of Magog. We need to find out who is this person. The word Gog in the Hebrew literally means mountain. And it means Reubenite, son of Shemiah. I probably said that wrong, but may, I did my best. The prophetic prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and Magog, it means literally, literally chief ruler. It means he's, he's in charge. It would be like what we call a, a president or a king. He's in charge of this land. So when you see the word Gog, it just means ruler or leader. We don't know who this person is. We, could, we can make our assumptions today, but we really don't know who he is. When he says a Reubenite, he means a descendant of Jeff, uh, Jephoth. I, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm messing up these words tonight. Thank you that this morning. Go with me real quick to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Look at me in verses 2 through 5. Noah had some three sons, and they dispersed... And I don't know if you have a map in, in your uh, Bibles, but mine shows uh, this son, Jepheth, he, he went north into Europe and into Asia. And in verse 2 it says, the sons of Jepheth are what? Gomer, Magog, Mediah, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer are Ashkenaz, Rephath, and Togoma. The sons of Javan are Elisha, Tarshish, the the Kittim and the Rodanim from the maritime people spread out into their territories by their clans with, within their nations, each with its own language. So he mentions this in Ezekiel 38, and he mentions these same nations here in Genesis chapter 10. So he's of that, if you have a map, how many of you guys have looked at a map of where the sons of Noah went? Again, Japheth went north. If you're from Europe, if you have descendants from Europe, you're a descendant of Japheth. If I, I'm 65% German. Anybody do one of those genealogy tests? It's crazy what you find out. Sometimes I wonder if it's real or not. But I'm 65% German, so I am a descendant of Japheth. 
If you come from the Middle East, it'd be Sham or Ham. So you, you see how all this works. And, and we know about the flood, right? After the flood, what happened? They dispersed. So where is Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and Magog? Magog is most likely Russia. It's awfully quiet in here this morning. I, I know you are. That's why it, I know that you're learning. If I'm off a little bit today, I probably didn't get enough sleep last night. There are differing views on the location of Rosh, Meshach, Tubal, and Magog. Here are some of the views, and, and then I'll give my opinion. So the first one is some scholars believe that no one really knows where Rosh is, but they do know where the other locations are, and Gusik in his commentary agrees. He says this, If Rosh is understood as a name of a people or place, it has no other connection or reference in the Old Testament. There are many who think that Rosh speaks of Russia or the Russians, but the only direct evidence of this is the similar sounds of names. Now again, this is his opinion. Meshach and Tubal were peoples to the north of Israel, somewhere near the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. These were peoples nowhere else noted in the Old Testament for any threat or animosity against Israel. Though the names Meshach and Tubal have a similar sound to Russia's cities like Moscow and Tobolsk, similar sounding names alone are not enough to make a certain connection with Russia and her cities. Now that's Gusik's opinion. He's saying, okay, there's real no connection there. Then you look at Kaufman's commentary. He believes it refers to the nations who come against Christ at the end of the thousand-year reign. If you look at the millennial reign of Christ, and he, his, his reason is for the, uh, this is at, at, at the end of the tribulation, you have a thousand-year reign, and at the end of the thousand years, you have these nations that rise up against Christ. And he cites the scriptures, Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. Now, I'm giving you all this because you want to be good Bereans of the Bible and do some study, right? And nobody really fully knows. We can't be dogmatic about it. Others are confident they know the locations mentioned in these chapters, including myself. Now, again, how many of us have opinions? So I'm going to say, this is pastor in his opinion. Again, be good Bereans of the Bible and study it for yourself. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. But I believe... I believe that this is referring to Russia. Does chapter 38 tell us where these nations are and who they descend from? I believe they do. Let's go back to uh, Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38, look with me in verse 15. Ezekiel 38, verse 15. He mentions where this army is going to come from. He says, you will come from your place in the what? Far north. You and many nations with you and all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. So they come from the far north. The country far north of Israel is Russia. The word Rosh in the book of Ezekiel points to the Scythians from where modern Russians get their name. The names Meshach and Tubal were known in the ancient world as residing north of the Black Sea, which is modern day Russia. James Vernon McGee says this in his commentary. Bishop Lowther said, You see, Russia was first called Muscovy, derived from Meshach, Ivan IV, a Tsar from Russia, who was called Ivan the Terrible, came from the Muscovite throne in 1533. He assumed the title of Tsar, which was the first time the title was used. 
the names of the other nations are mentioned. Let's go back to verses 5 through 7. Look with me in verse 5 through 7. He says, Persia. Now let's stop there. Persia is modern day Iran. Then he mentions Cush and Put will be with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Also Gomer with all of its troops and Bethagorma from the far north with all of its troops, the many nations with you. He mentions these other nations. And remember, the, the, the descendants of Japheth were in the what? Russia and Europe. Gomer, they believe, is modern-day Germany. Now, I borrowed this next slide from Dr. David Jeremiah. Everybody knew who Dr. David Jeremiah is. This was borrowed from his page on this because he laid it out so well. So he gets credit for this. God calls these many nations a horde, which refers again to many nations. The nations who align with Gog of the land of Magog are these modern nations. Here you go. Again, Dr. David Jeremiah. Magog, modern-day Stan. These, these are uh, Kazakhstan, and I'm not going to say all the Kursans. You got all the stands right there? Do you get them all? These are all the modern-day nations of Magog. And remember, they were formerly a part of what? Russia. Now, some of them weren't, but most of them were. The name Gog, again, Noah's second son. Today, these nations are predominantly Muslim. Rosh, modern-day what? Russia, ruled by Gog. Meshach and Tubal, many experts identify these as the territories of modern Turkey, the fifth and sixth sons of Noah. Persia changed its name to Iran in 1935, fiercely opposes Israel today. Ethiopia, modern-day Sudan and Ethiopia. Let me tell you, this is not up in my notes today, but Sudan just came into alliance with Russia a few years ago, probably about four or five years ago. Sudan. Russia is actually advancing in a lot of these countries right now. And they're actually in line with all these countries that I'm mentioning today. Sudan is one of Israel's greatest enemies. How about Libya? The same as modern-day Libya. Founded by Put, the grandson of Noah. Has current ties with Russia. Gomer is modern-day Germany, theorized because the name sounds like, similar to what? Gomer, the first son of Japheth, grandson of Noah. Togorma is from the far north, possibly modern-day Turkey. The third son of Gomer, great-grandson of Noah. Biblical prophecy through the broadcast, and this is of Dr. David Jeremiah, that he gets credit for this. Now, this is, again, a map from Dr. David Jeremiah, and it could show... Do you see where Rosh and Magog and Persia and Libya and Ethiopia and Gomer are and Tagomer? Again, all these nations today are in alliance. Here's another map that I got. It gives you a better picture. See where Rosh, Magog, Meshach, Tagomer, Persia, Gomer, and Tubal are? And then you look and you'll see Put and Ethiopia. And then you see Sheba and Dedan, which is modern Saudi Arabia. I got one more map. You guys see the map? I'm showing all this to you because, again, you need to have a visual picture of this. And I got one more picture. Look at this. This was back in 2017. That's Putin, the Ayatollah of Iran, and Erdogan of Turkey making an alliance that they've never had before. Turkey and Russia used to be against each other. For the first time in history, you have an alliance of these nations in our lifetime. Never before, but now. 
So what is the reason for God's invasion? So first of all, I believe, and after looking at the evidence today, and you can do your own study, I believe it's these nations that are in alliance today. But there's a reason why they come down and attack Israel. Remember, this is a future war. And, and I'm going to mention in here this morning, these nations are right on the doorstep of Israel right now. They're in Syria. Near the Golan Heights, what the scripture talks about is the mountains of Israel. And if this is a war that's future, but is close to the return of Christ, we don't know when, right? Only the Father in heaven knows. And we know that it's close to the tribulation period, and most scholars believe that. Then how close are we to Jesus coming back? It, it kind of makes us think, oh, how ready am I for Jesus to come back? Am I prepared? Am I ready for it? Am, am I getting other people ready for it? Am I sharing the gospel with others? So what's the reason for God's invasion? Jump with me down to verse 4, and then we're going to go over to chapter 39, verse 1. Look at verse 4. I think I got that right here. Let me see here. Let me double check here. Verse 4, it says, I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your hordes, your horsemen, fully armed and a great horde with large and sh small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Now drop down with me a little bit, uh, uh, down to verse 10. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled vigil villages. I will attack and uh, attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich, living in, uh, uh, in livestock, in goods and living at the center of the land. Sheba and Danan and the merchants of Tarshish and all of her villages will say, have you come to what? To take plunder. Have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold and to take away livestock and goods and the seas and much plunder? And then verse 39, verse 1, or chapter 39, verse 1. Son of man, uh, prophesy against Gog and say that this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, God, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. So uh, the first thing is God draws this leader and follows the attack. So the first thing is it's not just the plunder, but God does it. God's going to draw them out. It's God's hand that's doing it, and there's a reason. God permits things sometimes for his good. The second reason is they come to take spoils. And we just read that, verses 10 through 13. The word spoils comes from the Hebrew word shalal, which means prey, plunder, spoil, or booty. It means finances and goods, and he mentions that in the Scripture. Listen to this. This is about Israel today. This was on October 20th, uh, October 6th of 2022. Announces new Israel's gas discovery. The uh, Energen uh, company announced that the Tel Aviv and London Stock Exchanges Thursday that it, that it had explored a well in Israel maritime waters and has yielded a new commercial gas discovery of 7 to 15 billion cubic meters of gas. Israel just found one of the largest gas reserves in the Middle East. Now, what's going on in Ukraine right now? War. And, and what did Russia do? They cut gas off to Europe. Guess who's supplying Europe now with gas? Israel. 
Riches will cause Russia to come down and attack Israel with their alliance. Will Israel be prosperous in the last days? Yes, it will. Go over to a couple chapters to chapter 36, verses 1 through 15 real quick. Ezekiel 36, 1 through 15. God says this about, uh, about Israel. He says, Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The enemy said to you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Because they ravaged and hounded you from every side so that you would become the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the sovereign Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the mountains and the hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins and the de deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the sovereign Lord says, In my burning zeal I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, for with, for with glee and with malice in their hearts they made my uh, land their own possessions so that they might plunder its pasture land. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I speak in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of nations. Therefore this is what the sovereign Lord says, I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, O mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. Let me stop there. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about how God had spread them out through all the nations. And at the end times he would bring them back. And that God says right here he's going to cause Israel to prosper. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you some slides. Israel is prospering today. They are prospering. Look at verse 9. I'm concerned for you and will look on you with favor. You will be plowed and sown. I will multiply to the number of people upon you, even the whole house of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. Has that happened? Yes, they did. Started in 1917 with the Balfour Declaration. And now in 1948, now look where they're at. Look how far they've come. I will increase the number of men and animals upon you, and they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past and will make you prosperous before them. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause people, my people Israel, to walk upon you. They will possess you and you will be their inheritance. You will never again deprive them of their children. This is what the sovereign Lord says, because the people say to you, you devour men and deprive your nation of, of its children. Therefore, you will no longer devour men or make your nation childless, declares the sovereign Lord. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nation, and no longer will you suffer the scorn of the people or cause your nation to fall, declares the sovereign Lord. Again, why preach on this this morning? The urgency of Jesus coming back. We call it the blessed hope, the rapture of the church. And you'll hear me preach on it every Sunday. I might include it in a sermon that has nothing to do with the rapture. Why? Because he's coming back. What, what's the rapture have to do with this? Well, if we have the blessed hope and we know the soon return of God, we're going to live a holy life and seek others to come into the kingdom. It puts an urgency in us. One of these days, you're going to be doing something, I'm going to be doing something. And if you're a born-again believer, you're going to hear that trumpet call. And I believe it's going to be in our lifetime. I really do. Because again, all these signs are starting to show. 
Chuck Smith, back in the 80s, had a channel called His Channel. And he would talk about prophecies, about the times that were... He said it would take weeks and months to find anything to talk about. Now there's so much prophecy being fulfilled and so many things and signs happening that they have to choose what they're going to share now. Amen. I know it's quiet this morning. I'm a talker, so when it gets quiet, I'm going, what are they thinking? If you're a talker and somebody's quiet, it bothers you. So if you hear me do that sometimes, just blow me off. I get annoying sometimes. I know that. But the whole thing is, is you got to get it in your mind and understand the times that we're living in. We have to be really concerned about this time. We need to be excited, but we also need to be doing the works of the ministry. How prosperous is Israel today since the rebirth of a nation? This was taken uh, a few years ago, but this, I think this was in 2017. They are now ranked the eighth most powerful country in the world. An international survey published Monday ranked Israel as the eighth most powerful nation in the world for the third consecutive, narrowly ahead of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. You're taking a nation that's only been alive for 75 years. And now they're the eighth most powerful nation of the world. God said they, he would prosper them in the last days. Look at this from this uh, Israel article. And you can see the, uh, the reference up there. Experts estimate during the migration season some 500 million birds pass through Israel. For some species, almost the entire global population moves through this region. For example, nearly all the world's 11 sparrow hawks fly over the Holy Land during their migration. And next Sunday, when we look in Ezekiel 39, those birds are going to eat the enemy that God destroys that comes against Israel. There has to be birds in that nation. Now understand, there were no birds in this nation about over 100 years ago. And now most of the birds in the world fly through this region. Who could only do that but God? Again, next week in chapter 9, we're going to look at how God uses birds to gorge themselves on the corpses of this invading army. Isn't that great that God fulfills his prophecy? That what he says is going to happen? Look at this, planting of trees. This, this is from a, a, another media site. The further we went, the hotter the sun got. This is Mark Twain. And the more rocky and bare and repulsive and dreary the landscape became. When Mark Twain was back there in the 1800s, he looked at Israel and went, this is horrible. This is Israel? This is Jerusalem? This is a barren wasteland. He said there was hardly a tree or shrub anywhere. Even the olive and the cactus, those fast friends of a worthless soil, had almost deserted the country. And that was in 1867. He wrote this above description, part of the chronicle of his vast, his visit to the Holy Land from the innocents abroad. From barren land to, to, to forests. Look at this. The Jewish National Fund's tree planting effort. How Israel's got from hardly a tree to a shrub anywhere. Look at this. To being one of the only countries in the world that ended the 20th century with more trees than it had in 1900. Is primarily due to the efforts of the Jewish National Fund, which is, since its founding in 1901 has planted over 250 million trees throughout Israel. God said they would replant trees. And the trees would take up residence in the last days. 
Evil thoughts also come into his mind. So not only does he, uh, God bring this man down, and not only does he come for spoil and plunder, but he does it because he has an evil thought in his mind. Look with me in verse 10 real quick of Ezekiel 38. Let's read this again. This is what the sovereign Lord says, On that day thoughts will come into your mind, he's speaking of God from a God, and you will devise evil an evil scheme. You will say that I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspected people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. Now, right now, Israel has gates and bars. And notice in, earlier in the chapter, it says they will be recovering from war. Now, I'm not going to say this war with Hamas is the war that they're recovering from. It possibly could be. We don't know. But it says they're recovering from war, and if they're recovering from them, they have to get rid of walls. And they have to be feeling like they live in a secure land. It's a very good possibility. Do you know the word Hamas is in the Bible? It's mentioned 60 times. It's the original Hebrew word for violence. So Hamas was prophetically spoken in the Bible. So when will Gog attack? He will attack in future years. Let's look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. After many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. Again, that's speaking of our time. They had been desolate, but they've been gathered back into their land, right? They're recovering from war, and it's going to be in future years. What does he mean by future years or latter years? The phrase, this phrase, many days, was normally used to express an indefinite time period, a long time. It was, however, used sometimes to reach as far as the what? In times. Hallelujah, I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps about that. If we're seeing this in our lifetime, we are living in the end times. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Listen, God wants us to be about, on Sunday night, we had two get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a, Yeah, give God a clap offering. That's what God wants. He wants people to get saved, to get filled, and to be used to reach the lost for the kingdom. God wants to use all of us. In a few weeks, I'm going to do a series on our giftings. You want to know what your gift is? God can tell you. The attack will eventually come in latter years, a clear eschatological indication. And that's by Taylor, cited by Gusick. It's speaking of the end times. He's speaking of the last days. So if we see these nations aligned for the first time in our generation, then we are on God's timetable of the last times. He will not only attack in the last days, but he will do it when Israel, again, is feeling secure Again, after the recovery war. I've already mentioned that. It's possible, again, that this war with Hamas could be that war. We don't know, but it's a big possibility. What are they doing? They're going in and tearing down walls. They're saying, we're not going to let them come back into control. Uh, they're already talking about Hezbollah. Do you know who the major funder of Hezbollah and, and Hamas is? Iran, but you know who the major funder is? Russia. Russia is. Russia and Iran. 
hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Is that in the Bible? Are we learning that? Again, the word Hamas is, this is again something I wanted to share with you. So I'm kind of, I already talked about it, but I want to I show you a scripture here. Genesis 6, 11. Now God saw that the earth had been corrupt and was filled with violence. The word violence comes from that, re, that word Hamas, which means violence, violent cruelty, wrong, false, cruel, damage, injustice, oppressor, unrighteousness. How many of you guys have heard the reports of what Hamas did to the, to the Jews on October 7th? They took babies and put them in ovens. They beheaded them. I'm sharing what they did. We need to pray for Israel. They were horrible. I don't want to go into all the other things that they did. And, and, and then you're seeing anti-Semitism grow more than you've ever seen it before. Who would have ever thought that we would have had people uh, rooting for uh, the Palestinians in our nation and not supporting Israel? Look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 8. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivals will plunder you. You have committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with Hamas, violence. Again, he will attack again also from the mountains of Israel. Let's go back to verse 8. He says, we're going to read it again. After many days you will be called to arms in future years. You will invade a land that is recovered from war, whose people were gathered from the many nations to the mountains of what? Israel. Where are the mountains of Israel? We call it the Golan Heights. It's right on the border of Syria. Who's in Syria right now? Russia, Iran. We're there too, but not in a big way. He's going to come from the north through the mountains of Israel, the Golan Heights. They are situated on Israel's northern border with Syria. And again, I just mentioned. Are these nations who are in alliance today situated there in these mountains? Yes, they are. Russia is deploying troops to Syria, Golan Heights. This is the 2nd of August, 2017. They deploy. In fact, I just read an article. I was trying to find it this last week. I read this article that says now they have set up on that border a bunch of troops. They've actually put a whole bunch of troops on that border. And, and they've been speaking against Israel for what they're doing with Hamas. And Hamas has built all these tunnels underneath. And the UN is supporting Hamas. They have found that, the, that they're funding them. And, and who do we support? We support the UN. Your taxpayers' money is going to support that stuff. Oh, Jesus, help us. Russia is deploying troops to the southern Syria near the Israeli border. Yanat reports citing reports in Arabic language media. Russia announces air patrols over Golan borders. This is 2024. I just took that off the, of course it does, oh yeah, it shows the plane. I don't have the plane, but that's a picture from that uh, newspaper. That was just a few days ago. Now, there's going to be some people that are going to question this attack when it happens. And it could be at any day. It could be a couple of years from now. Who knows? But again, they're all in cahoots today. So who's going to question this attack? The nations of Sheba, Danan, and the merchants of Tarshish. Again, the names of these modern-day nations are Sheba and Danan, and they're in the area of modern Saudi Arabia. 
The merchants of Tarsus, some believe to be the young lions of Tarsus, which could possibly be Great Britain and the United States. However, there is a lot of debate about this, and scholars cannot agree. The reason why they believe that is because in, 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 in ancient times, uh, they would get a lot of their minerals and metals and stuff from a play call, place called Tarsus, which a, a many believe to be Great Britain. Well, who came out of Great Britain? Us, right? Revolutionary War, our history, right? So some believe, and we don't know this for sure, but we could be those young lions of Tarsus. Here's the interesting thing about the Ezekiel 38 war. Nobody comes to their rescue except for God, which tells us where are we as a nation in supporting Israel. We may very well be the lions of Tarsus that complain about it. Look with me in verse 13. Ezekiel 38, verse 13. Sheba and Dedan, which is modern-day Saudi Arabia, the merchants of Tarshish, again, I'm not dogmatic about this. We really don't know. Look what they said. And all our villages will say to you, they're saying to Gog, have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away at livestock and goods and seize plunder? So they're going to complain about it, but they're not going to do anything about it. They're going to say, why have you done this horrible thing? But they're not going to do anything about it. So again, why does God allow these countries to attack Israel? God wants to make himself holy through them. Look at me in verses 14 through 16. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day when my people Israel are living in safety, you will take notice of it. You will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses. Now understand this, when the rider's saying horses, he's seeing through his eyes. We don't know if it's going to be real horses or if it's going to be tanks, right? Uh, I, unless something happens to Russia, they're gonna, I don't see them riding on horses. The only thing I can think of is tanks and their modern military. But, but God, you know, unless he does something, right? So he says this, verse 16, You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, O Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. And in chapter 39, we're going to see what God does to Gog next week. But God's doing this to show the world that he is God and Israel is his nation. Remember I, I told you, I don't know if I showed the clip of it, but another sign, that, there's so many signs happening. But how many of you guys know that God's name has shown up on the eastern wall of Jerusalem? And it's happening in, it's in, it's in Hebrew. So the, 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 the Jews read from right to left. How do we read? From left to right, right? They read from right to left. And the plant that naturally grows on the Temple Mount wall, on the eastern side of the wall, it's growing into the letters of Yahweh. This happened about two years ago. It started growing. The last letter is starting to grow. Hello? And nobody went up there and goes, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to plant this plant. I'm going to make it grow into the. It's in the Hebrew letters of Yahweh where God has put his name. If you do a superimposed picture of Jerusalem, God's name 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is superimposed on Israel. That's his place. We talked about it being the apple of his eye. And if his name's growing, and we see these nations coming together, we see violence today, we see people that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, we see all these signs starting to happen, then how close is Jesus coming to get his church? And if you're not ready, you'll be left behind. My wife and I are watching the movie again. How many of you guys ever watched the movie Left Behind? And I'm watching, I'm going, oh my goodness, it's starting to happen. And I'm thinking, wow, one of these days, you're going to be driving somewhere. I'm going to be at Walmart. We're going to be somewhere, and we're going to disappear. There's going to be clothes lined up. For, and here's the, here's the scary part. Jesus says, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? So how many people will actually be raptured? Only God knows. Are you ready? So God wants to show himself holy. That's why he's allowing this to happen. And we're, again, we're seeing those signs. How will, make, how will God make himself holy? Look at verses 17 through 23 real quick. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Are you not the one I spoke of in former days by my servants and the prophets of Israel? At that time they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. This is what will happen in the day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused, declares the sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Do you know one of the greatest faults is right there in the land of Israel? There's going to be such a massive earthquake. So one of these days, what's interesting, if we see this nation, if we're alive, if the rapture hasn't happened and we see this happen, we might see this on TV. Wow, did you see that earthquake? And then people that pay attention to the Bible and preach the Bible and pay attention to prophecy are going to say, wow, that's in the Bible. It's happening. Do you know 28% of the Bible is prophecy? And a lot of pastors aren't preaching on it. Why am I preaching on it? Because we're living in those days. So there's going to be this massive earthquake. Look what it says here. Fury will show in my face the reaction to the audacity, and, and I'm not going to say that word because I can't say it, of the invasion of Gog and his forces was stated in bold terms and a vivid anthropomorphism. Psalm 18.8. The picture is of the breath which an angered man inhales and exhales through his nose. Uh, did your dad ever get upset with you with, when you were a kid? And you hear him breathing through his nose? Or they get upset with something? And you're there. That's God. Yeah, I just wipe my nose. Thank God's patience would be exhausted with the repeated attempts of Israel's enemies to annihilate her. We talked about it a few weeks ago about in Zechariah that the nation that tries to move Jerusalem would be destroyed. We really need to pray that our president gets off of this two-state solution. He was just mentioning it the other day. And remember all the signs that I showed you of what happens when we try to push a two-state solution that has happened in America? We had better be very careful... Pray, 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 pray. 
He will cause a great earthquake that will make all things tremble. The earth will recognize it. This earthquake will, be, will cause mountains to overturn and crumble and every wall to fall. Let's look at verse 20 there. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall, every wall will fall to the ground. This is going to be a, a massive earthquake. Some scholars believe that this earthquake will not only go from Jerusalem, but it will go all the way to Moscow. In fact, they believe that that fault line reaches to Moscow. Only God. Only God would know that. Hmm. He will cause the enemy to destroy each other. Let's look at verse 21. I will summon a sword against Gog and all my mountains, declares the sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. It's going to be like in the Old Testament where he would cause confusion and they'd start fighting with each other. Something's going to happen. Maybe, maybe Erdogan's going to get mad at Russia and Putin and they're going to start shooting each other. God can do that. And before you know it, they'll kill themselves. Think about this. Israel by themselves wouldn't be able to destroy it. They're going to need the help of God. A few years ago when ISIS was trying to come into Israel, you can go watch the YouTube video of this. This is a real video. When they were trying to come into Israel, ISIS, this cloud out of nowhere formed, this big storm formed, and it, it prevented them from coming into Israel. Out of nowhere. It was a clear day. There was no storm clouds anywhere. But the same God that calmed the sea can make a storm happen. I watched the video. And ISIS couldn't come in because God's like, nope, you're not allowed in here. God only allows who he wants to allow in. So he will cause the enemy to destroy each other. He's going to cause a plague on them. Let's continue on. Verse 22, I will execute judgment upon him with plague and bloodshed. They're going to get sick. Who knows what it's going to be? When we look at chapter 39, it's going to take seven years for Israel to burn their weapons, which means there's going to be some kind of chemical or nuclear attack that happens. Because it will be unhabited. Then look what it says here. I will pour down torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. That could be, we don't know what that is. Remember what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah? You, you can go find that brimstone. When the Dead Sea dried up just recently and lo was lowered, they, were, they found brimstone in the dirt. And you could still light it on fire. And it will melt metal. And it smells like sulfur. And it's right around two cities that have modern days that aren't uh, that Sodom and Gomorrah. They have a different name today. But they have found and they were completely burnt. Pottery was melted. Now, how does pottery melt? That was so hot. This is how God will show himself mighty. He will fight for Israel. Again, how will God destroy Gog? Again, he will destroy him through the earthquake, plague, bloodshed, and fire, and brimstone. Is that my last slide? Nope, we got one more. And he's going to strike his bow, and he will give them as food to the birds. Let's go real quick to Ezekiel 39, verses 3 through 4, and then we're going to, I think we're going to close. How many slides do I have left after that? 
Huh? That's it. So let's go to Ezekiel 39 real quick. Let's start in verse 1. Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drag you along. I will bring you from the far north and send you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. On the mountains of Israel you will fall, you and all your troops and the nations with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of birds and to the wild animals. You will fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. God's going to fight for them. What can we get out of this this morning? Number one, be ready. Jesus is coming soon. Number two, if God fights for Israel and you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, will he fight for you? Yes, he will. If God is for us, who can be against us? Number three, you need to serve and seek the Lord and start getting involved. You need to start serving in not only the local church, but you need to start reaching the lost. But pastor, I don't know what to say. God will give you the words to say. I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but this is a true story. And I think I have, but I'm going to share it again. I, I read in a devotional one day, I think it was in my devotion from Billy Graham, but there was a, there was a, 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 a lady, her husband was a pastor, and he had passed away, and her and her son were without food and water, and she got to a point where she was ready to, to take her own life. And she was out next to this field, and a farmer was out plowing his field, and all he was doing was singing a hymn, whistling it, actually. And it was from hearing that whistle and that hymn that she rededicated her life to Jesus. And she remarried a godly man, and out of that came her son, who became a great evangelist. So it may just be you whistling a tune. Whistle while you work. Right? It may be just you singing about Jesus or sharing a little bit about it. Sharing the things this morning that you've learned that we're living in the last days. And sometimes I look at the church and I go, are we awake? Are we so busy with life that we forget that Jesus is coming back? That he can, the imminency of Jesus coming back it means nothing needs to be fulfilled for him to come get his church. If all this stuff is happening like the Bible says it is... If we're seeing it in our day, and God said it would happen, do you know many scholars back in the 1800s didn't believe that Israel would actually come back to their homeland? They thought it was uh, just allegory. They didn't think it was going to be literal. And yet, guess what happened? God said it was going to do what? Happen. He was going to bring his people back. God says that a, a mystery Babylon's going to grow. Do you know they're building a wall? That's like 700 miles long in Saudi Arabia. Go look at it. It's called Neom. And they're, it's going to be like taller than the Empire State Building. And it's gonna, people are going to live in it. It's going to be a 15-minute city where all you could, yeah, it's going to be digital. You can't buy or sell without a digital ID. And you're going to live in this wall. And it's actually in the old territory of the Babylonian kingdom. Is the Bible coming to life in our day? Yes, it is. Violence is increasing all over the world. Jesus, remember I shared this a few weeks ago, Matthew, Matthew 24. It's like in the day, uh, days of Noah and the days of Lot. That's in Luke 21. We're seeing all this. 
So if we're seeing all this, how close is Jesus coming back? But can I tell you something we need to occupy till he comes? Don't stand up there waiting for him to come and not do anything. Because Jesus is going to come in out an hour when we don't expect, and he's going to reward us according to what we've done. We don't want to take the talents God has given us and bury them in the sand. We want to use what God has given us. With every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. The first question you have to ask yourself, am I ready? Am I ready? Do I know Jesus? Do I know without a shadow of doubt that if that trumpet sounded today, I would be raptured out of here? Only you can answer that question. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm ready. You can be ready. The Bible says you can be sure of your salvation. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not ready, but I want to get ready. Would you raise your hand? Everybody's ready. Hallelujah. Oh. Had a couple people raise their hand. I'm going to ask you to do something in a minute. If you raised your hand and you want to be ready and you want to make sure, I'm going to ask you. The Bible says if you deny me before the Father, I will deny you before if you deny before men, I will deny you before the Father in heaven. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and make your way to the front to make that commitment. Now, why they make their way to the front, I'm going to ask you here this morning, how many of you have a loved one that's not right with the Lord this morning? You want to pray for them. I, I would hope that that would be the whole church, that you know somebody that needs Jesus. Let's pray for them real quick. Father, we pray for our lost loved ones and our friends and our neighbors that don't know you. God, I pray that you would give us divine appointments to reach them for the gospel, for opportunities for them to come into the kingdom and for them to be ready as we are ready.